three moons, the Dharma of just this. It must have been last midwinter. Uh, Jupiter, Saturn, and the moon were aligned, with Jupiter in the middle. The following morning, the moon floated among pink clouds spread from horizon to horizon. Although the cycles of the moon have been mapped over the longest time, the moon seems so mysterious in her comings and goings, creating tides in nature and, according to folklore, women's menstrual cycles. As I come out of my house at night, I search for the moon, and although she is sometimes hard to locate, uh, I might catch a reflection in the river nearby. Or I nearly drive my car off the bridge on my way to Antoinette's when I see the full moon, fast, orange, uh, low and vast on the horizon, uh, and utterly mysterious in the flat country uh, that we inhabit. Surely it's no accident that the full moon is a familiar image for awakening. The moon, whether hidden, crescent or full, whether it's dark moon or ghost moon, it's always the same moon. And this evokes the Dharma of just this, the central theme of Dongshan's great poem, The Song of the Precious Mirror, Samadhi. The Dharma of just this is uh, set out at the outset. It's developed through a stream of vivid images down the length of the entire poem. Snow in a silver bowl, the bright moon concealing egrets, a conflagration you cannot approach or escape, the Tathagata as a newborn baby, a wild cat, a white ox, arrows meeting in midair, a wooden man singing, and a stone maiden rising to dance, and many more besides. It's safe to say that each time it, the word, well, it's not a word, it, uh, it <laughs> uh, occurs in the poem, uh, the Dharma of Justice is being invoked uh, at that moment. The Dharma of Justice is passed down from the Buddha in confidence. Today it's yours. Take good care of it. <clears throat> so uh, what is the Dharma of Justice? Uh, it needs to be asked. Well, blue sky, pink hibiscus, uh, green leaves, gold and almost transparent at the same time, yeah. your beating heart, floor under your feet. Uh, adapting the ancient form of session to the modern circumstances and doing it so beautifully. Um, uh, someone who's uh, a quantum physicist uh, talking about human nature, which is kind of weird for quantum physics, but he said that uh, uh, we are nothing but, um, what does he say, that we are nothing but um, images of one another. Uh, and if somehow it fits this kind of uh, thing. Who are you at the moment? Well, just look at your screen and there you are. Uh, Dharma of just this uh, in its operation. The Dharma of just this was as intimately to hand in the caves of numberless generations of early Homo sapiens as in any present day vaccination center. 
from the deepest perspective, the Dharma of justice is timeless, even as we give it meaning in time. In the Dharma of justice, there is no time barrier at all. Past and present are intimate to each other. Uh, as Aiken Roshi says, the everyday is the eternal. The eternal is also the everyday. The Dharma of justice doesn't exclude elsewhere, uh, let alone elsewhen. The opening lines of the Samadhi song state that the Dharma of justice is passed down from the Buddha. But how can it be passed down? Surely it's far too big for that. Sky and earth, ocean and clouds, uh, the song of the planet with its cries of pain, exultation, joy and ecstasy, all pouring out into space. Yet no matter how we dress it up in abstract formulations, the Dharma of just this remains as apparent as, well, as apparent as this, this right here now. The Dharma of Justice is passed down for the Buddha in confidence. In confidence? Is that to say it's hidden? Is that to say that it's a secret? How can all that vastness hide? It's uh, perhaps rather an open secret. I'm tapping my thigh, but you, you can't see it. Maybe you can hear it. <laughs> How does it hide? Today it's yours. Take good care of it. Uh, how beautiful. <laughs> Today it's yours. Yeah. It's not abstract. It's not, uh, not some historical thing. Uh, although it has history, uh, it comes with history, but it's, uh, it's yours. It's even better. It's, uh, it's you. There's beautiful imagery that goes to, he makes a poet, uh, poem out of this. By the way, this poem was, um, according to legend, written by Dong Shan as a transmission, to token of transmission for his uh, student, Sa Shan, and was given to him in a ceremony of midnight uh, transmission. Midnight is perfect for the Song of the Precious Mirror Samadhi poem, um, and a wonderful uh, transmission gift indeed. So, a silver bowl filled with snow, the bright moon concealing egrets, categorised they are not the same, inchoate the place as known. The egrets are almost completely hidden in the moon's radiance, so you can barely make them out. In your true nature, um, it comes with your features, uh, but you are also... Um, intimate with the whole, with, with everything. Um, so in some sense, uh, you are, you are same, this is, you are uh, same as this fastness, and at the same time, it has your face on it, and it breathes as you. Uh, 
uh, desires as you, sleeps as you, drinks water as you. The imagery of the egrets and the moon remind me of Hakuin uh, Ekaku. Um, his name, Hakuin, means hidden in white. And I picture him wandering the lower slopes of Mount Fuji, faintly visible against the snowy expanses, obscured now and then by a blizzard. Same kind of image. In this spirit, uh, here is a poem written by Hakuin on the occasion of his last great realization. He was sitting with the koan, and this is a very beautiful koan, which I do recommend to you. A young girl's samadhi surpasses that of Shakyamuni Buddha's greatest disciple. Here samadhi means one with the universe. A young girl's samadhi surpasses that of Shakyamuni's greatest disciple. Hakon sat with the koan, and when it opened for him, he wrote a verse. If only I could share it, the soft sound of snow falling late at night from the trees at this old temple. Very beautiful and very in key with the Samadhi song. I want to um, take this opportunity to explore a little um, the first pair of Dongshan's five ranks. Um, the five ranks are considered to be five aspects of the Buddha's enlightenment. Um, in terms of the poem which we've just read, they are contingent within essential, essential within contingent, arriving within the essential, approaching from the contingent, and arriving at concurrence. In terms of Bridget Lowry's fine poem, In the World, with its concluding line, us in the world and the world in us, the five ranks can also be rendered as us in the world, first rank, the world in us, second. Just the world, just the vastness, third. Uh, just us, with world implicit, world implicit. Fourth rank, uh, the world as us, fifth rank. Um, if we wanted to be moon friendly, because this, this, this Tasho is all about the moon, um, <laughs> we could render them as the bright and the dark, the dark and the bright, just the dark, just the bright, and finally, the dark as the bright. So these beautiful lines, I want to pause a little here. Um, fully illuminated at midnight, it is hidden at daybreak. It is an exemplar for all beings used to liberate them from suffering. Uh, these mysterious lines are right at the core of the Samadhi song, and they've inspired my practice over many years now. They speak for the power of deep realization to affect liberation for us all, each and every one, and provide us with the encouragement to get on our cushions and awaken to our true and timeless nature.
The first phrase, uh, fully illuminated at midnight, uh, we're still within the realm of Dongshan's um, first mode. Uh, us in the world, let's render it as you in the world. Difference within sameness, bright within dark. Um, the full moon at midnight. This image recalls Dongshan's mysterious voice for this mode with its image of our being in vigil during the third watch, which begins at midnight. So this is the first, for, first of the ranks or modes. At the beginning of the third watch, before moonrise, don't be surprised if there is meeting without recognition. One still vaguely harbors the elegance of former days. It's midnight, the moon is yet to rise. If we are being literal, this represents the time before realization. It also reflects the time of long sitting, of vigil, of session, especially session at night. Yet within the utter dark of midnight, there is still true meeting. Um, this is really interesting. This, uh, this particular mode or rank is not some kind of prelude like um, in, uh, at all to the others. Uh, it is the full and complete matter itself. Within the utter darkness of midnight, there is true meeting, uh, even as it was is without recognition. Meeting the moonless dark is our illumination. And in true meeting, the dark mirror is our true face and home as it has always been. You meet your deepest nature without recognizing it. How could you recognize it? You are not other than it. So how could you recognize it is not separate? From this perspective, Sishin is the entire matter. Your deepest questioning is the matter entire. Your doubts about the question to which you have embarked are the matter entire. What is nascent and what is yet to emerge is itself the matter entire. To be like this is to truly meet your deep na deepest nature without recognition. So deep is your intimacy with it. This is what it is to be fully illuminated at midnight. This is what it is to be bright within dark, you in the world. Yeah, the, the phrase that often goes with this is, I am all alone in the universe. This is the spirit here. Uh, Dongshan then expands the image. Uh, fully illuminated at midnight, it is hidden at daybreak. And that there's a transition here from us in the world to the world in us. Darkness lifts from the ancient mirror and we recognize the world as our true face and our deepest nature. Regarding hidden at daybreak, um, if we're being literal, the moon itself is in hiding. How can all that vastness hide and in plain sight too? It hides as pink hibiscus, blue sky, green lilac, not to speak of you drinking your first cup of coffee for the day. 
Like this, the most ordinary dawn with its magpie song and the sound of the coffee grinder is the perfect reflection of the mystery of who you truly are. Um, this is one aspect of the second of these modes. Um, coming from another angle, um, Hakuan, after, Hakuan uh, in one of his shows said of this particular mode, all the myriad phenomena before your eyes, the old and the young, the honourable and the base, halls and pavilions, verandas and corridors, plants and trees, mountains and rivers, you regard as your own original, true and pure aspect. It is just about like looking into a bright mirror and seeing your own face in it. He goes on, if you continue for a long time to observe everything everywhere with this radiant insight, all appearances of themselves become the precious mirror of your own house and you become the precious mirror of their houses as well. You know, the, we are not aware of our role in this either. This is so important. This is not some something you can manipulate um, for yourself. Um, the strangest and least suspected angle is our appearing as the original aspect of others. Uh, and there's, there is so much heart and openness in this. It's not just about us realising this bit. Uh, I am that, uh, that sky or that tree. Um, we are the our appearing as the original aspect of others, the true face of an earthworm, the true face of our loved ones, and the true face of those who can't stand us. With this experience of true meeting, if you're a woman, you can respond to the Khan, a young man is coming this way. Or if you are a man to the Khan, a young woman is coming this way, uh, beyond any contrivance. There's a wonderful occurrence very early on when we were sitting at Mount Helena and there was a Doxan line and uh, there was a young woman standing at the head of the line. And uh, after uh, another woman had uh, come from Doxan, she came out of Doxan with me and then walked up the path towards the next person waiting. And she had a realization experience. And all she could say was, she was just standing there. She was just standing there, just that, just that. Yeah, when you realize that um, there is liberation, this is path of liberation. And this is one aspect of that path. This doesn't mean that you are free of pain. Uh, we have to be so careful about this. Um, but the kind of mental anguish, um, the kind of delusion of uh, I am in here and you are out there and all of that tends to erode away. Uh, Dogen Keegan, 
centuries later wrote, um, enlightenment is like the moon reflected on the water. The moon does not get wet, nor is the water broken. Although its light is wide and great, the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. The whole moon and the entire sky are reflected in dewdrops on the grass or even in one drop of water. The moon rises in its own time and reflects on the water. Although we may strive for enlightenment, enlightenment has its own time independent of our wishing and willing. When the time is ripe, the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. I love this image. <laughs> the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. And a popular interpretation of this, of course, we are the puddle uh, an inch wide in which the moon reflects. It reflects there regardless of any of our wishing and willing, it just does. It evokes us all in our just meanness with our all too human limitations, for we are each and all small and limited, each of us enthralled to our delusions, including those about enlightenment. Yet even your delusions are lit by the moon, regarding which Dogen writes in his Genjo Khan. You cannot hinder enlightenment, just as a drop of water does not hinder the moonlight in the sky. How beautiful. <laughs> well, it's a relief to know that we cannot hinder enlightenment. In the first place, we couldn't bring it about. No kind of magic act could do that. And now we can't hinder it. What is enlightenment in its unhindered state? Cold, uh, warm this afternoon. I turn on the fan. In Buddhism, there are five hindrances to awakening. Sensory desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry and doubt. However, in the Zen way, we awaken in the midst of these hindrances, each hindrance reflecting the light of the moon, each illuminating the haze of our marooned, passionate life. Um, I want to tell a personal story here about the moon, um, which uh, talks about intimacy between uh, Earth and moon. Um, somewhat spurious in this case, but it's a go. On a Sunday night in July 1969 in Esperance on the south coast of Western Australia, I was walking home drunk from a party out of town. Because I couldn't trust my feet to the broken edges of the road, I was walking down the middle. After a while, I noticed that the bush on both sides of the road kept brightening until it became dazzlingly luminous. I was convinced I was having a mystical experience. It took me some time to register that, in fact, I was being slowly followed by a police car with its lights on full beam. The senior constable asked me my name and occupation. When I replied that I was a high school teacher, he was incredulous. Next morning, I worked late and caught a taxi to school, dragging my clothes on in the back seat. On arrival, I couldn't find my class and went hunting for it. Finally, I opened the door of the music auditorium and found the whole school was watching the moon landing. I vaguely made out the blurred figures of Armstrong and Aldrin taking their first giant wavering steps for humankind on the moon's powdery surface. And I thought to myself, leaning against the back wall of the classroom, still reeling drunk with everything going in and out of focus. 
I know just how you guys are feeling. Oh, yes, I do. So again, the depth of the drop is the height of the moon. Each reflection, however long or short its duration, manifests the vastness of the dewdrop and realizes the limitlessness of the moonlight in the sky. The utter intimacy of the moon's height with our own depth is so moving. No matter whether your experience of awakening is long or short, how can we even think of duration here? What is the duration of a dream? Your nature and the nature of all beings is utterly unconfined. Sengai Gibbon, the Japanese Rinzai monk, in one of his light-hearted Sumie paintings, expressed the other face of that intimacy with his um, got a little figure, little cartoon figure, uh, looking up at the moon and saying, Moon, moon, how old are you, moon? 21, she replies demurely. Uh, Mark Edwards, sitting with his daughter when she was Veronica, when she was four years old, he says to uh, he says to Veronica, "The moon's such a long way away." She replied, "No, it's not, Daddy. It's just there in the sky." All right. Well, where is the moon right now? <laughs> 